Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Conversations with Filmmakers, where we discuss everything film and television. Here on Movie Beat, you'll learn what to do and what not to do when it comes to making movies and TV, and we will talk to everyone behind the scenes and in front of the camera, and I'll provide you with the guests and the information you're going to want to have, whether you're a filmmaker or a fan. And so now let's move behind the scenes here on Movie Beat. Uh, my name is Rex Sykes. I'm your host. The official URL is rexsikes.com. That's my name. It's Rex Sykes Movie Beat. My guest today is Mr. Michael Frost Beckner, and we're continuing the Writers Series. Uh, this will be episode number seven. If you've never listened before, stay tuned. And if you've been listening before, stay tuned. I'll tell you more about Michael, and we'll be coming up in just a moment. But first, let me say welcome to everybody. The chat room is open. If you're listening live, fantastic. If you're listening to this archived, obviously the chat room is not available to you. But but the good news is is you can listen live or archived uh, and to the archive show anytime, 24-7. All of them are available at rexsykes.com. That's, uh, again, my name. That's the official URL. At the interviews blog, there's over 400 hours of professional filmmakers, writers, directors, screenwriters, editors, cinematographers, you name it, um, sharing their expertise, their know-how, the what-to-dos, what-not-to-dos with you to help you make your uh, career advance quicker, easier, and uh, more effectively to finish and complete your projects uh, swifter and less expensively. And to and to uh, and to make your dreams come true. So the purpose of our show is to uh, introduce you to some of the finest people working today in the motion picture and television industry, and for you to take advantage of their know-how and their expertise. And in exchange for that, all we ask is that you share what you get with other people. In other words, share the show. Use the uh, link. Use Twitter, your favorite social media means, and put it out there so others can find it. Uh, when you're listening to this show, whether it's live or archived, um, please leave comments. Leave comments at the player, at the player window, or rate and review the podcast. That helps us out, helps us in that whole search engine thing, and uh, and makes the show much more visible. And that all we ask is, and the reason we ask that is just in exchange for bringing this show and this information, this quality of guests, this high quality of guests to you. Absolutely. At no charge. All right. So we appreciate you being here. I appreciate my guest being here, and we're going to join. Have him join us in just a second. He is the um, um, uh, he's a producer and a screenwriter. He's the uh, the writer of um, Spy Games, with uh, directed by Tony Scott, which starred Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. He's the executive producer who wrote the CBS series The Agency. Um, and he's uh, currently working on a new television miniseries called Two Appomattox. His uh, website, so that you can find out more about uh, Two Appomattox, is T-O-A-P-P-O-M-A-T-T-O-X.com. That's twoappomattox.com. Go and check it out. It is Michael Frost Beckner, and he joins us live here today. Hi, Michael. How you doing? Good morning, Rex. I'm doing terrific. Thank you. It's, uh, we usually do these on a Thursday morning. It's uh, here Wednesday. 
outside my office been blowing the street. So I hope that's not. I've moved to the interior, but uh, I hope it's not too loud and coming over the thing. I, I think they'll move on in a minute. I didn't realize they did this early Wednesday mornings here. Um, uh-huh. So anyway, well, uh, yeah, you know, uh, it is true. It is true. Normally we do the shows on Thursdays. It's been the, the how we try to schedule for a while now, and occasionally I've had to adjust the schedule. So um, um, uh, we are uh, broadcasting day Wednesday. I hope the uh, did you say that it was the leaf blower, the street blowers? I think it's leaf blowers by. on the street. Yeah, I, I've moved in into the kitchen, um, in the other room in my office. So uh, hopefully the noise isn't isn't allowed, coming through on your end. I'm trying to ignore. No, it over here. Mo- we're 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 totally fine. How you been? I've been terrific. Um, it's been uh, uh, quite a quite a good uh, last couple weeks. Um, began uh, working on my pilot, writing the pilot for my uh, new series with Wolfgang Peterson. I'd, I'd done the agency with him 10 years ago, and now we're uh, taking, uh, looking at uh, international espionage. Um, uh, it, it takes place in a, in a U.S. embassy in, in a foreign capital, and, and then all the other uh, embassy uh, spy stations uh, within that capital. And it's kind of... Uh, uh, a jigsaw puzzle of espionage and showing how that whole thing works, and we're very excited about it. Um, so I just started work on that pilot, and, and uh, then I, I, I'm in the process of closing a, another pilot today. So my pilot season ended up to be pretty great. Uh, and cool. the best news of all, uh, for those fans of, of two Appomattox, is um, our partners uh, in Virginia uh, came through uh, this week. Um, with uh, a large portion of our financing. So now we're going to be able to put the rest of this to get together. It's been uh, the largest hurdle we've had with, with the networks over the last few years um, was a, a fairly substantial uh, gap uh, in the budget. It's, it's a rather expensive show to uh, miniseries to, to, to get up on screen. And uh, we've gone out and uh, uh, me and my team, and we found that money ourselves. So we're going to be going back to networks Fairly quickly, um, the way we've structured it now is we believe we'll be able to start this production, whether we have the network or not, um, independently, and that's the what, what we're shooting for. So we'll be in a very strong position with uh, uh, with regard to getting a distributor, um, because this time we don't need them to finance the production. So we're we're pretty happy about that. Um, is, is the whole thing finished? No, but uh, we're much closer than we've ever been, and so um, that is a cause for joy around the two Appomattox offices. That is very cool. That is good and exciting news, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that uh, uh, that's happening for you, and I'm happy that you shared it. So thank you very kindly. Certainly. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I realize about me is that I used to think I was very smart. Now I realize I'm not so smart. And <clears throat> when it comes to things like um, uh, your um, espionage, your spy uh, games, your uh, your writing, I, I I am so befuddled these days. You know, when I watch something and I go, "How do you keep track of all the t- plots and the twists and the..." Uh, you, you you made the comment earlier in the series, you know that that you write these these movies and most of the characters are lying. <laughs> so right. it, it's it's kind of like how how I don't I don't know the question I want to ask. It's kind of like how do you 
how do you create that? How do you sort that? And then and then not only that, but you have to have either yourself or somebody do research so that it's 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 based in reality. I mean, you know, I mean, I could we could all fictitiously make something up, but but there's there's no uh, yeah with, with the espionage back checking. You know, my my family comes from that background, so I've had the occasion throughout my life of meeting a lot of the people that did a lot of the things that are that are in the film. Uh, in television I've written. Um, and then that opens the door to uh, people that are currently doing it, being willing to share. It's a, it's, it's a, it's its own kind of fraternity and, and uh, people um, actively doing it or, or re- recently retired um, pretty much step up and, and, and want to see it right. Um, one thing I learned early on in writing espionage is you don't, you're not going to get anywhere with these people if you if you make it fake and make it, uh, you know, the CIA officer is always the greatest guy who's going to assassinate the president, you know, in the film. Right. The, uh, they're not going to work with you. Like with Spy Game, I had full cooperation, not only from the people that I'd written, uh, that I'd, I'd dealt with in writing it, but in per- production. Um, and that can't stem from the fact that, um, you know, I they when they read it and they saw what I was doing, um, I hadn't. I didn't make the the CIA officers the bad guys. Um, it was all in a sense political. You know, they don't mind that. You know, there's you know bad apples in the uh, seventh floor. Uh, you know, of headquarters that are that are going to burn somebody as long as you try. You know, because that's personal agenda and personal ambition. As long as you make the uh, agency uh, in a sense neutral or have a good cause and and, and there's good people there as well. Um, that you know, that got a lot of cooperation because they saw that I was trying to to paint these people um, as people, as real people, and as, as uh, confronting situations they actually confront. Um, I, it uh, you know, reality does make for for better drama than than fiction. Now, there's nothing wrong with the uh, you know, you now there's a trend. It seems like almost every movie is the ex agent who's running around with a, with a pistol in their hand all over the world, and and that's nothing. Uh, in real in real world uh, espionage happens like that at all. Um, the uh, and so you know that, that's fun. You know the, the guy the guy the Liam Neeson running around with a gun or you know whoever the, whoever it is you know Kevin Costner running around with a gun or whatever the ex spy they don't carry guns they uh, they have paramilitaries that, that that handle all that kind of operation. Um, you're a spy on the ground um, and they're not agents they're officers. Um, Never, never once have they ever called themselves CIA agents. I don't know why people can't get that right. But uh, you get caught with a gun in a foreign capital, you're in big trouble. Uh, that's why they never carry weapons. They they want to look like uh, just any anyone else and be able to to live their cover. Um, but anyway, it's it's uh, yeah. There's a lot of research that goes into into that kind of writing, and um, and uh, that's why I've I've sort of stuck with it and been with it is because I I do have the contacts and. It's, uh, you know, it comes from not my personal experience, but by any means, but um, from family experience and, and uh, uh, then the professionals that I've, I've come to know and, and, and respect and, and work with a lot. And a lot of very interesting, interesting people. I, I think I've told this story before, but um, a lot of what Spy Game came from with the Robert Redford character, um, he was just built out of about five or six people I'd known throughout my life, you know, from being a kid and listening to you know, family, friends, you know, long retired, you know, regaling the stories of, of, of their daring do um, to people that I, I knew more recently um, to recent family connections. But, 
it's it's trying to get it right. I like to get things right, and that way it gives me more room to to explore the the, the character I create as a as a human and give them human elements. Um, once you get the trade craft and the plot kind of down and what you want to tell, and um, and a lot of the stuff you hear, you you know, and a lot of times they say, here's something we we were gonna do and we didn't do, and you and you just breathe a sigh of relief and say, God, I'm glad you did not do that operation. That sounds like it would would have been a real bad idea. Um, but uh, and a lot of stuff, it's, it's it's almost too fantastic to write, so I kind of steer away from that stuff. But uh, that's kind of how that works. But it's you know you you have to do your research if you're writing about any anything and any. Um, you know, a specific profession, and, uh, you know, and, and uh, something that's uncommon. Um, the more research you do, I find, um, the more I'm freed up to create then uh, an individual in my own character and the person that, you know, seems to have uh, a soul, flawed or not, um, and a life and a past and a, and, and a future uh, that they're aiming for and a future that they may get or may not get. And, and, uh, the research is, is, is where it starts, you know, and, and, and that's where I start with that. Well, that, that is, that is um, amazing. And when you are creating uh, these characters, some of which lie, I mean, in other words, how do you organize your own writing so that you can track um, – you know what I mean? I mean, sometimes someone you're watching a movie and you, you go, "Oh my God, how, you know, where's this going to go?" And you cut to something else, and something else is going on. There's these multiple storylines going on, and they intersect, but one of them is lying, and the other one's real. And and how do you, as an as a writer, how do you organize your 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 writing process to be able to engineer um, mystery in that way? I guess is 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 what I'm trying to ask. Do you do, yeah. you do it by note cards? Do you keep track of it in your head? Do you just bang it out? Um, is there a, well, a process or yeah, a method the, that you... Yeah, I, I, what I'll do is I'll start mapping out an idea for a plot, not really worried too much about the characters and who they are um, in the beginning. Um, they'll come uh, to life as, as, I, as I begin to explore their lives. I try and keep the plot the plot itself fairly simple. Spy game is fairly simple. Last uh, guy's last day of work um, wants to get out of there. Finds out that his prodi- prodigy, a uh, protege, excuse me, um, has been uh, up and captured. Um, he's called in to, to discuss that and finds that they're going to burn burn the guy, and then he decides that he, he wants to save him. That's, that's, that's the plot, and then it's. Uh, then that movie goes through their relationship, and 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 then that's again, you know that that all started out as just collecting different stories, and how can I, you know, weave these together into one person, into one timeline, or or two people in the case of that, uh, over time, which makes it seem a lot more co- complicated than it is, but it really is only one goal that, that that's that the characters are added towards. In, in a film, it's it's. Uh, Nowadays, that's really transparent in most films, that it's really only one thing happens, it seems, nowadays, um, in current popular film. Uh, but that, that's kind of how I do it. I'll, I'll, I'll start and, and not be married to any incidents. I just try and come up with, okay, what's the what's the main plot and what's the twist? And in that case, the twist is the guy decides he's going to out CIA the CIA and, and, and affect the rescue on his own. Uh, you you know while he's holding them captive, um, 
then what it, what it goes into and what makes the the film I think seem much more complicated than it is is I start to to you know mine the characters for for as much as they're worth whether they're lying or telling the truth you know it doesn't you know that's pretty easy to track just in that um, you know I I know where my scenes are going so whether they lie may make you know may make other characters. You know, I may will have to watch their reactions, but the character knows that they're lying, and I know that they're lying. So it's actually fairly easy to to keep deception going, um, as long as we have a bead and keep a strong focus on the, on the character that's doing that. Whether I reveal the lie earlier or later is is um, goes back to um, uh, plot and, and my plotting when I want the reveals to happen. Well, I'm I'm fascinated, and I think I've said this before, either to you or on the show, that you know, um, years ago or even decades ago, you know, writing screenplays um, seemed fairly straightforward, and seemed like, well, you could come up with a murder or a spy mystery or a heist vehicle pretty easy, and have some, you know, twists and turns. But nowadays, I mean, I I, I think that it seems so much more sophisticated. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it just seems more sophisticated. And maybe it's because there's a higher level of technology or, or media savvy that we're aware of. And so what is included in some of these um, pictures or in some of these screenplays um, just seems to complicate it so much for the writer. I mean, and, and to be able to keep track of everything or to, to make your way through. For example, you're writing to Appomattox. I mean, there's, there's a, a historical element there, and you, you've got to, you know, fact check, and you've got to make sure everything is correct and 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 it, to the extent that you want it to be. And, and uh, um, well, I, I'm, the, I'm uh, looking for those organizing principles, how you work with how you work with the information, you know, before you build your characters, how do you work with the information to, to, to structure your screenplay when you, when you have, you know, lots of, uh, you know, pages elements. And pages, like, of the, uh, pages and pages of notes on, 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 uh, you know, actual factual notes and, and, and pulling all those in. I, I think we'll, first there's a few things that you touched on there. We'll touch the first one is the technology today. Certainly, you know, Richard Burton and the spy who came in from the cold is is, is very low tech espionage, and and most espionage, although a lot of, you know, there there's photographs and there's there's technology supporting people. You know, boots on the ground espionage still plays just like that Richard Burton stuff. It's just dead drops and Whoa. and uh, meetings and stuff. But you have to keep in mind what is the technology that is supporting them, that is uh, tracking them and being used against them, and you have to you have to sort of stay up on that, you know, otherwise someone's going to go, he couldn't get away with that now. And uh, then you find the human way that we get around the technology to um, to complete a, uh, an operation um, and what we how we use the technology to support operations. Um, so that, that comes into it. I, you know, uh, there's way too many gizmos and, and gadgets in, in most contemporary uh, spy movies, and those are secret agent movies, and they're fantastical. It's uh, There's a lot of, of, of stuff that's used in support, um, but your CIA officer on the ground is, is not carrying any, any kind of secret tricks and traps and gizmos. They, don't, they just don't do that. Um, Michael, you know, they'll have, they'll have, yes? Oh, I was, I was just, no, I, 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 hi, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Hello? Oh, no, I, yes, I, hello. I, 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 I 
<laughs> I agree. Um, I don't mean so much the gizmos um, as much as I mean, uh, for example, I mean, look at any of the James Bond stories, you know, 30 years ago when they first started. They just seemed very simple plot, good guy, bad guy kind of uh, uh Star Wars kind of very in your face, easy to follow, not a whole lot of mystery or intrigue, not a whole lot of you know uh, tangential storylines that take you down paths that you know um, kind of like if you watch murder she wrote, you know you had three or four people that they cast dispersion on, so you can't quite figure out who the person is, but you, you pretty much could figure it out before the show ended mm-hmm. but today some of the some of the movies some of the screenplays just seem so loaded with with um information not the gadgets but just the the amount of information that you have to track what's going on here what's what's happening over there um who's involved uh the number of characters there's a complexity of story i i guess is what i'm getting at more than the than just the technical gizmos it's 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 as if mm-hmm. we have become i mean it was, certainly there are still those no-brainer movies but the, but they seem that the that there's a higher level of thinking required to to watch some of these movies and enjoy them. Does that make sense to? Yeah, I well, I get what you're saying. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of those movies. I, I, <laughs> I <laughs> there's no directed. I, I don't. I don't. The James Bond movies well, to you, me pretty much seem like the James Bond movies of before. I, they don't seem to change. Well, no, that, that's true about James Bond movies. That's what I'm saying. The James Bond movies do, but there's just like for example, your movie Spy Games. I just think is that, that that was a, and, and I'm not saying this because I've got you on the line, but I just think it was a yeah. cut above, uh, uh, the cut above what uh, some of the other movies do. I think that some of um, uh, uh, Billy Ray's stuff, like uh, um, Breach, I found very intriguing. Um, yeah, I, that, think, I think that goes to that speaks to, to character, not not uh, the spy genre uh, specifically. It's when you have characters that you can get a, a moral beat on, and the audience can understand what their morality is, what their ethics are. Um, then that adds that layer that uh, earlier films didn't really rely on as much. Um, I mean, great films always rely on that. Um, well, then th- th- that is that is, you're 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 forming the question that I've been trying to ask. I've been saying they're complex, and I, I maybe I, I've led you to think you know I'm talking about technology, but it's the it's the character complexity, it's the story complexity, and, and maybe it's because the characters are are better developed that the stories have more depth to them. I, I could think of a couple. Rod Lurie has done a couple. I believe that he wrote as well as directed that um, I can't think of the name. One was with William Peterson. The other one was about the Valerie Plain thing, that, that um, the outing of the spy. And I can't sadly remember either name, but, but they just mm-hmm. seem to have, they have a depth of information or a depth of feel in a, in a, and, and stuff that, that um, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is yes, there are the, the simple no-brainer, you know, in-your-face entertainment movies that exist today, and the big tentpole movies that don't require much thought. But then there, but it seems like screenwriting and screenwriters, some of them that are are getting their movies made, it's just it, it has evolved as an art form. It's not as it's not as simple as as it, it seems it was years ago. Writers well, are writing uh, better. <laughs> I mean, well, in some I, ways. yeah, maybe maybe they are, maybe they. They aren't. I always try to write better every time I write, but 
Um, again, I, I think what we're talking about really is um, the writer being willing to get off plot and get into characterization. And that well, creates that's fine. complexity. Um, that, the that's great cool. complexity that you see in the plot, is, is, again, like, as I started out, spiking the simple plot. What makes it complicated is the motive uh, and morality of the Robert Redford character. Even the Brad Pitt character is kind of straightforward. He doesn't he doesn't change much. He, he has an awakening um, to to the the world that he's in that he he feels he was misled by. Um, but it's the Redford making decisions about what he's going to do and those events in his life that that inform the decisions he's going to make. Um, and I think with all these, it's it's uh, and Breach is a great example. It's it's really getting into the, the, the story is pretty simple. Catch the spy. We know he's a spy. How are you going to do it? Um, it's the relationship they, they develop between them, uh, the tr- you know, establishing trust, betraying the trust, um, seeing how far each person's ethics and morals is, are going to take them in, in each direction. And that's where the, layered, the layers of complexity come into fairly simple stories and make them, and, and it gives actors, um, it makes actors want to play these roles. Um, uh, in those kinds of films, and that's why you get the, these great performances, is is because the time has been taken to uh, work on and develop the, the characters. Well, it it seems like there's 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 um, two ways that something can go right or go wrong. You can either have really great, intriguing, interesting, fascinating, captivating characters with no story, or you could have mm-hmm. no no a story. You know, all of the Ingredients of you, but the characters are are poorly developed or underdeveloped. So, you know, you want to be able to marry these two to make for the strongest. Do you find that the story unfolds more because of the characters you develop? For me, yeah, yeah. I try and keep when I start blocking out a a script um, in anything, I keep the plot fairly simple. The idea of what the you know what what is our inciting event? What is the twist on that? And what is what is the ultimate resolution that's going to happen? And once I have that, that's kind of a, this is a feature film, oh, but it also it also works in in, in uh, uh, TV. In TV. Um, well, uh, once I have that uh, as a framework, then I start putting my character into that framework, and then I start complicating those events and that thing, not by event, but by Characters' choices, uh, opinions, uh, uh, you know, uh, morality again, and, 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 and ethics, and, and and who they are, then that story see, becomes uh, more original, uh, more present. It doesn't seem like it, it's you know the the train needs a driver, and and trains don't work without drivers, and the characters are the drivers of the of the train, which is plot. So. You know, what will happen is you'll get a plot that has so much. Some people will, will tend to write a plot that has so much event um, moving towards that one simple denouement, you know, that's going to be, okay, we get that, and that's the big, some big you know, get the death star at the end, and, and uh, you know, whatever that is, the, the, you know, cut the wires on the bomb and, and save the day. Um, spend a lot of time doing a lot of plot stuff. And they don't give their their characters time to breathe and and create it, and that's where those uh, that's where films kind of you know although the plot is much more complicated sometimes they seem much uh, emptier and, and facile uh, due to the fact that they've not really 
put a driver on the train, the train's driving the, the characters. And then the characters don't have time to, to, to live and, and allow us to glimpse their lives. And we want to know, you know, I think audiences are attracted uh, with, with these kind of movies we're talking talking about. They want to know why the characters are doing things, not why because they have to, because they're in a, in a, in a, may, you know, a rat maze, but, you know, the choices that are, that are leading them to do things. And, and uh, you know, if, if you're able to draw a character, then the audience can begin to, to uh, anticipate, you know, based on what they've already learned about the character and their life, their opinions, their needs, then they can anticipate plot, and then you can twist plot so that the character has to react in a new way, um, further developing, um, you know, who they are. And that seems to bring these kinds of movies to life. Um, and uh, and so, so it's kind of a hand-in-hand process. Um, for me, the, the architecture of it starts with blocking out the simple plot on one, in one hand. Um, with what I write, since I write in, in, in reality, I try and create real situations with real, um, you know, in a, in a real world, um, you know, I'll have pages and pages of real events, real um uh, operational um, history or operational, uh, uh, you know, uh, how-to, and I'll have I'll have pages of that stuff. And so as I'm pulling my character, my plot along, then I'm just going, um, this can this will work here, this can work there, this can work there. Then I start on a separate track, um, building the character, uh, and I build the character from their past. Although I don't typically, you know, ever have the the story when they talk about when they were a kid. Um, I don't ever really stop to do that. I know all that so that I know, um, you know, I know how they're going to act and react based on a, a life story that I've written them that, you know, that never really sees the light of day. Um, but if it, if it works and if it, if it's true and, and if that, if, if you make that fit your events, um, fit your reality, fit your plot, you know, fit to it and, and make it true to itself you find that the audience, and I, I do this in movies, uh, in, in, in movies like this, you create your own story for them, which typically is better than the story that, that, you know, if they were to sit down and say, well, this is why I'm doing it, and this is where I came from, and that. Because typically your imagination um, is going to draw in your own life um, if you, you allow the audience to, to put them, you know, use their imagination. Um, if you dictate it, it sort of flattens out the characters. If you dictate, no, this is exactly why I'm doing this, and this is the event that made that happen, and, and that sort of thing. You, you you create a wall, I think, with the audience. Um, you have to know what you're writing, but you don't have to tell them, and then know that they may they may decipher it a different way, but it will all make sense if, if, if your logic is, is squared away. Well, what I think is, if, if what I hear you saying, which I think is really interesting and fascinating, is let's say, for example, I um, write a, a colonel in the military, and mm-hmm. of which personally I know nothing about, but I'm just saying that assuming that, well, let's say I write something I know a little bit more about, and I write about uh, a law enforcement officer in a local uh, police department, uh, r- regardless, um, and I go back and I create a history for this person. I say, well, you know, this person um, at eight years old was trapped in a burning building. Um, he was rescued. He wasn't scarred. But he, from that point on, he 
uh, is afraid of fire and he's afraid of he's very fairly claustrophobic and uh and uh, yet he's managed to to go out and and live his life and he's be he's 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 done fine and maybe but but so i create that and or other events in the past i don't ever have to bring that into the script i don't ever have to mention it i don't have to discuss it with the actor who's portraying it but what that does is informs me that when he encounters somebody in say a a hallway that how i write him may be that he's feeling the claustrophobic feeling being in this hallway and 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 that creates certain decisions he makes or doesn't make you know as he progresses you know in the scene or into the story in other words it's it's giving me as the author of this person's life more depth or more reasons for the choices that the character makes or doesn't make or the situations that they encounter and find problematic or the ones that they find easy. Um, it's, it's that it's, it's, it's a tool to inform me how this person lives and bring them to life more than it is something that I'm actually, I could, but that it's not part of the yeah. sort of story. Yeah. I, that's Yes. That's, that's what I'm talking about. It's typical lives in real lives, you know, Typically, people that we look at as heroes and, and, and we might want to write about, and, and, and you know, from, from reality, they don't have that. They were trapped in the burning building, and now uh, their whole life they're afraid of it, and we're going to get to the point where there's going to be another burning building. That's, that's pretty uh, uh, simplified storytelling. Right. Um, right. And, and I, I find it rather, you know, it's typically in a life, it's a number of small events you know like let's look at that movie it was going to be a little bit off but but i I'll, I'll make my point uh that boyhood movie and that was just a series of events in this child's life over 12 years um yeah. and there's nothing earth shattering that if we picked up that character in his 20s all those events we saw in that first movie would inform all his decisions but we don't need to tell all those stories but we would right. have a character that is coming off off real um, there are certain movies where, you know, Vertigo, you know, he has Vertigo. They're going to get him up into a tower by the end of that movie, and he's going to have to deal with his Vertigo. And that's um, that's a little bit different than than what I'm doing. And you look at a, a, a what I would say was a popcorn movie, but a good one. Um, and I could have this wrong because I haven't seen it in, in many years, but Lethal Weapon. And uh, what's his name? Mel Gibson's Riggs character. Clearly has PTSD from Vietnam, but we don't know whatever happened to him in Vietnam. We have no idea. There is, we don't go back to that event. That, you know, oh my right. gosh, now my demons have come back. But it, it informs the character, creates a character. We're all willing to, to we understand the, how you can get PTSD, and our imagination can create that scenario and, and, and file it away as we're watching the film. But that character seems fully developed, much more than most action heroes in, in the typical action adventure movie, um, without having to go into this was the moment. And, and you know, Spy Game works sort of the same way as there's not that moment that the two men have together from their past. Um, you know, the Brad Pitt character and the Robert Redford character. Um, it's just the culmination in the... Um, some total of all the small moments to create that relationship that um, 
you know, is very strong, gets uh, very broken, uh, and and then draws them back together, makes them, you know, makes Robert Redford make the decisions he makes. Um, and uh, and that's just sort of the difference. That, that's when the movie, it, it, it then, I don't know, it seems like, because everyone says it's such a complicated plot, but it's not really. It's, it's again, the plot's simple. It's the characters are uh, more three-dimensional because they're not given, you know, their Achilles heel that we then must must go back and, and define the Achilles heel and then make them confront that that again. And that's just a different kind of uh, plot-based uh, storytelling and, and where character event becomes plot rather than, you know, real uh, humanity. Yeah, I, I mean, I, 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 what you've helped me understand with doing this is, is if, if I want to sit down tomorrow and write more, a better, more better. If I want to write better characters, and and have my characters more thoroughly developed, um, what we've been discussing is not taking these background life events and putting them into the, the screenplay to resolve, but put them into the background of the character, which informs me or the writer how to better uh, write this character. The 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 kinds of emotions or the kinds of decisions or the kinds of choices, and, 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 and you point out the Boyhood movie, that many of these background decisions, the more fully we can create the character's background, the more that informs the character's present in the, in the picture without ever, address, without ever necessarily ever needing to address them or point them out. Um, but it's, it's more, for, from her, my way of understanding, it's more of a, a writer's tool to be able to... Because ultimately the goal would be to write more well-developed characters as opposed mm-hmm. to cardboard cut-out characters. Um, I'm, yeah, it's, it's, it's using that. Yeah, it's using that that uh, that the, your understanding of your character's life story and the events to create his behaviors, and uh, and and uh, sometimes that doesn't pop. You can be, you know, I'll allow. I'll be writing the character. I don't know my main characters, I suppose, but as I'm writing the other characters and writing it through. You know, in a first pass, they may seem a little bit flat until I go back and go, okay, who is this character now? He's now, I realize this character's playing a larger role than I thought. He's not just coming in to, to move, you know, move the other characters along. He, he's in enough scenes that we need to see something. So I'll create kind of where he came from in my mind or write it down, um, what his background is, what his ambitions are, uh, what his hopes are, you know, uh, personal uh uh, and what his, uh, you know, fears are, whatever. And then I'll go back to, you know, every scene that they're in and say, how, how can I layer some of that into his behavior in this scene? And so it then creates, um, it creates a, a more well-rounded uh, and grounded character. Yeah, I'm Without ask having you a to do that, that of, you know, tell, a life, tell an event and then display him facing the event again. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask this question. It's not fully developed in my head yet, which is like a lot of my questions as I try to figure them out while I'm asking it. But uh, um, given the constraints of genre, for example, you know, in horror movies, the, the, the girl or the guy, but primarily the girl, always goes looking for something where the audience is going, don't go in that room, don't go up the stairs, don't go outside the house, don't, just don't do it. And we all know that they're going to do it, and that's part of the genre, you know, they, they, that, that sure. search and find and encounter. But for the purpose of an exercise as a writer, 
if I could find out the reasons why this person would do that, as opposed to they just do it in these movies, um, I am better writing my character. For, I mean, you know, every cop movie, they're going down some, you know, some, you know, they're walking through an alleyway with a gun aimed at somebody. And, and, and yes, they've been trained to do that. But, but that's, for me, it's like the easy way out. So they're a cop and they know how to do it. And so they're, the, you know, so this is a horror flick. So the person has to look behind, the, you know, into the closet so the cat mm-hmm. can jump out. But as a writer wanting to write better characters, if I could say, who, why would this person do this? What, what has it been in their history? Why, why, are they naturally curious? Are they just overly brave? Are they so scared that they don't know what they're doing? Or what is it from their past that would cause them to go, you know, and look in the closet or behind the door? Um, then I'm, I'm exercising my writing muscle. I, I still have to service the genres, whatever they may be and, and everything. But, sure. but as a writer, for, it, does that make sense? Is that, is that, Kind of yeah. Mean, if, if if you have a, a good reason for it, um, then it, you know if you if you know what it is, it'll inform. It, it will it will trickle its way into it rather than doing the scene where they sit down and say, "This is why I do it." You, I, I I suppose that that it it comes out if you don't ever even give the full reason. If the character is true from the very beginning, um, we see. You know, and we see that behavior in them, and they give hints to why they're doing it. This is what they always do. It does seem a little more true than, you know, those horror movies are, are tough, and they're, they're so genre-specific. Uh, and, and right. you know, when I watch those, I don't really need to know. I just know that that's what you do in horror movies, and it's what you watch right. them for. It's a very stylized form of storytelling. Um, but, uh, you know, it... it, it can ring false even in those kinds of films when the behaviors you've seen them display and that we've told the audience this is how they're going to behave. And you always kind of start it small and you keep pushing it, and even horror movies do that. Um, sure. If they, if, they behave, if they behave consistently, you can make that, that moment and those things much larger and have more impact as the film goes along. We're willing to follow the character there without having the story of that they were you know, locked in a closet. Um, if they weren't behaving in a specific manner and you get to something that's very big like that, um, it, it becomes a little, it just becomes far-fetched. Um, what was the movie? I, I, did you see that movie, uh, The Last Watch, I think it was, the cop movie? Um, um, it was, it was the, the two cops in L.A., I think Jake Gyllenhaal, maybe? Yeah, I, I did. I did. Yeah, and and... They created the, those guys had a certain way of dealing with things, especially the Jake Gyllenhaal character. That for me, by the end, um, that they go into that building where they're ambushed without backup was very true to their character, and so it didn't seem utterly preposterous. Um, I did question, you know, why wouldn't they follow procedure? But I'd been sold enough that they didn't follow enough procedures throughout the entire film that they would make that mistake. It's just, God, I didn't want to see these guys make such a dumb mistake, um, which leads to the to the ending of that, that film um, right. and the semi-tragic tragic ending. Um, but that, that's the whole thing. They didn't go into, with that one, it certainly didn't go into why they don't follow procedure and, and what caused them to be reckless, uh, you know, on the job or that sort of thing. They just started off slightly reckless and they got more and more reckless as things got more and more difficult for them. Um, 
and that was enough to, to, to make those characters work and make the the um, very large ending to a, what was had been a small film um, palatable. Um, not a great film or a perfect film in it by anything, but I, but I felt that that did work better than a genre film. Um, it seemed to be a study in their their character and their behavior. Well, it seems to me. I, I appreciate that. It seems to me that. You know, as an actor, what or as an audience watching an actor, um, the actor's job is not to to do the audience's job. The actor's job is to point in a direction so that the audience can do theirs. In other words, if the actor cries, the audience doesn't have to. Not to say that the actor should never cry anyway, but I'm just saying, if they if they're really fighting to from crying, um, even though they may be scripted to cry, then then the audience tends to cry for them, and they they, they become more involved. They they watch. They'll assign motives and reasons and everything. Which may be misassigned, which because that's what we do in everyday life. We we, sure. we impose on other people our interpretations of why they do things, especially the people around us and our significant others. You know, you did that because of this, and, and it may not be their motives at all. So we write their scripts for them, um, which which may which may be the basis of our problems a lot of times. Um, so so when it comes to fleshing out characters i think for me what i'm getting from our conversation is 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 that so often you know i talk to a writer I go, why they do that they go because that, that's the kind of person they are or they just do and 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 i find that i like they understand it but i go i don't get it if why is this person doing this and they go well, because and and from talking with you i'm kind of going well if if i'm going to write something i need to have more than just the a because, because that that kind of thing that not only sounds flippant, but it probably has a lot of gaps around my thinking because I haven't fully fleshed it out. Um, it becomes very surface. It becomes obvious or, or surface well, driven. Yeah, and you'll, you'll end up. I think a writer would end up writing more surface stuff and and allow themselves to make more outlandish choices for the character. You have a very very short time, and I think it's the very first scene that they appear in that you can lay some groundwork as to who this person is. Uh, you know, the audience is going to remember every scene, and so you, they're going to extrapolate from all that. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, nowadays, typically with this kind of kind of film that we're talking about and that I do, is they just start off with action, which uh, is very difficult because it's, it's an extreme situation. We're not seeing the character in life. Then they go back to, okay, here's who they are, and it kind of—it's much more of a TV style of writing. Um, they sure. want to hook with action, and they want to hook with plot, um, which I think um, you sure, certainly need to hook with plot. But you got to have some defining behavior, some defining attitude of the character in the beginning that we can start building from. And that you'll only know once you've written that whole character character's life out, gotten them to the to a point, you know, in your own mind further from where the film starts and then put them there before they, you know, before they unwind as, a, as it were. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, that just, that, that's the, those are the characters we remember and we don't know all the, uh, God, Lawrence of Arabia, pretty simple story, but very complicated man. But we know a few things about his behaviors. We don't know why he, we never learned what he was as a child and what led him to be the guy he is. But certainly from, you know, doing that trick with the match and saying the trick is, you know, pretending it doesn't hurt, kind of shows mm -hmm. in just one line. Why does he do it? No, who the hell knows? 
Um, I'm sure it's in his biography somewhere. And I'm sure when Robert Bolt wrote that, he read everything about T.E. Lawrence. Um, you don't need to you don't need to say it if you know it and write it with that authority. Um, if you don't have that authority and you don't have that knowledge, um, then you're going to get a situation where the where an audience or someone's going to ask you, "Well, why did they do that? That just seemed that just didn't seem right." And then, you know, well, because that's what they do in those situations. Well, we need to kind of be programmed into knowing that's what they're going to do, and it doesn't have to be. And I think, and I say, it shouldn't be um, a story or a specific thing that the, uh, from the past that comes back to get them. Um, the uh, so that that would be another good example of that, I think. Oh, that's, that is, that's excellent. Oh, we're going to continue this in a second. I, I have to take a, a short break right now, uh, but we're going to come back and, and talk more about how you write good characters because uh, I'm finding this really, really valuable. Uh, so you're listening to Rexites Movie Beat. The official URL is rexsikes.com. That's my name, where all these uh, interviews are archived. You can listen live or archived right there in the interviews blog. There's also rexsykesmoviebeat.me, rexsykesmoviebeat.me. That's the new blog. <coughs> and that um, that URL is bound to change, but uh, for now, go to the new blog, and uh, and you can listen from there as well. And there are other articles and things. Um, uh, just a couple of notes. I finished directing a, a True Rule, which is a short project that uh, we've been involved with, and then I finished acting in a in a feature film called Jim Shoe out of Los Angeles. So those two things are are now wrapping up. There's uh, we're continuing to film on uh, Full Circle, and a couple other projects. So um, I'll tell you more about that. Upcoming is the uh, Surface movie premiering in Milwaukee at the Milwaukee Film Festival tomorrow evening, October 9th at 8 p.m. It is sold out, but uh, certainly you can try and go down there and get in. It will also open in Milwaukee on the 24th, I believe, of October. We shot entirely in Milwaukee, mostly on Lake Michigan, starring Sean Astin, Chris Mulkey, Mimi Rogers, and others, uh, produced by Jeff Gendelman and directed by Gil Cates Jr. So uh, I'll be there tomorrow night. I'll see you if you're uh, in the listening area, and you've got your tickets, and uh, and have a good one. The Flyway Film Festival coming up is one that you do not want to miss if you're in the western part of the state of Wisconsin, at Pepin, Wisconsin, about an hour outside of Minneapolis. It is a marvelous film festival from the 23rd to the 26th of October. In November, <coughs> 14th to the 16th is the Wyoiga Film Festival. It's in the middle of nowhere, but it's a well-programmed a little festival, a film festival, international film festival. People come from Japan and Alaska and different places to attend Wyoming Film Festival. You're going to want to go there as well. And uh, and finally, my next guest on the uh, Rex Sykes Movie Beat will be Peter Marshall. We'll continue with the director series with Peter on the 16th. On the 22nd, we will talk uh, somewhere either the 14th or the 22nd. We're going to talk with Rich Vacious, who is the uh, founder and director of the Flyway Film Festival. Jeff Gendelman will come up on the 23rd. He is the producer of The Surface uh, right before the movie opens. And then we'll be talking with uh, Kathy and Ian Fell of the Wyoiga Film Festival on the 30th. And so that's a little bit of a lineup of my guests and upcoming events. So uh, stay tuned to Rex Sykes Movie Beat. Uh, we're talking with uh, Mr. Michael Frost Beckner and uh, a website that you should go and check out uh, for his new miniseries is Two Appomattox. That's T O A P P O M A T T O X dot com. That's Two Appomattox dot com. Go check it out, 
And uh, we'll now resume with Michael. Oh, and before we go any further, please do leave comments at the player when you listen live or archive. Please rate and review the podcast uh, should you subscribe to those from iTunes. And uh, and then follow Michael on Twitter, MF Beckner on Twitter, and Rex Sykes Movie BT on Twitter. And there we are. All right, Michael, we're back. Hi. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> we're back. Um, so, uh, um, I don't know if we talked about this before, but the thought occurs to me, and, and maybe you brought it up, um, that technically I could take something like Casablanca, I know what the plot is, or I could take uh, Lawrence of Arabia, I know what the plot is, I could take uh, any number of movies that I know what the plot is, and if I rewrote different strong, incredible characters, the plot may change somewhat, but I have now, um, as long as everything is plausible and, 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 and well thought out, I now have a new movie that could be incredibly uh, riveting because, well, the plot is there. The characters are are informing the new plot changes. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know what? I can't can't come up with any examples. I know I I finish watching films all the time and go, oh, my gosh, that was, you know, such and such movie. That was a new take on, on that sense then. And, and characters can do that for you if you if you want to spend the time with your characters, um, they will they will make the every story different. Um, and uh, you know, setting you know it's it's one thing you know let's set Casablanca in space. Well, you can set it right back in, in World War II if you wanted, and throw in a whole different set of characters, and it will play out differently. But you know, you already have that structure there. I, I don't know. That's kind of an exercise. I bet we could do it though, and come up with a, a new way to end it, a, a different uh, set of motivations based on uh, um, different character uh, criteria. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wish I could come up with one because there's just something recently I, I, I would say, oh my God, that's that's. Well, you know what? Here, here's here's a great. Well, example. isn't Star Wars uh, every movie you've ever seen prior to it? <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I've been watching on television uh, Sons of Anarchy, and I, I, I got to that show uh, just just a few months ago. So I had watched, been binge watched, you know, six seasons. But uh, you know, halfway through season one, or sort of towards the end of season one, I go, wait a minute, this is Hamlet. This, this is absolutely Hamlet. Um, uh, set in a motorcycle gang in, in Northern California, and. Uh, uh, you know how many times do they they redo Romeo and Juliet? And sometimes they live, sometimes they die, sometimes one lives, one dies. But uh, you know the, the the when those you can certainly do that that kind of thing, taking a story and, and redoing it by changing the characters and, and creating someone that behaves entirely different from the main character and following that. That, that happens in uh, a lot of novelists try that a lot. I read one a few years ago that was. Uh, um, in Great Expectations, you have the the character of Magwitch, who's the the convict that Pip saves in the beginning. I forget the author, uh, Australian author. Um, he wrote a, uh, a novel, a very good novel, for that story told entirely from the point of view of the convict, and uh, it just brought 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 the whole thing to life and, and kind of gave a new commentary on on what was going on with Pip, even though he doesn't figure very much into the story. Um, so there is there is an, a, a way to do that, and that does show that uh, you know they say there's only you know x number of 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 plot of stories. I would say there's x number of plots, but there's infinite stories because characters create story. 
care, the story you're following is really you're following the people and not the events um, in, in, you know, in, in, in higher level storytelling, you know, rather than, you know, the comic book stuff where you're just really following events. Though the better ones, they, they, why are the better uh, Marvel comic movie adaptations some better than others? I would, I would submit it's not that the plot's any better, the special effects are, are, are more extreme and, and extravagant, it's, it's that the character has more depth. And, and, uh, I get. I, I want to ask your opinion. I, I went out the other night. I saw the judge and I saw Gone Girl. And mm-hmm. um, while I was sitting there, I saw you know the upcoming. Um, I don't know if it's called Moses or whatever with Christian Bale. Uh huh. And I'm and I was watching the trailer. Have you seen the trailer for that? No. So first off, when I heard he was doing Moses, I was like, why? I mean, it just—I mean, other than a paycheck, I was like, "Why? Why would anybody want to do that?" But, but that's me. I mean, that's not obviously not Christian Bale, and it's not his people or anything. So I, I'm watching the trailer, and I'm going, "Yeah, you know, it looks like a you know 2014 version of of the Charlton Heston movie, I guess. You know, it's, up, it's updated. It's." But here's where it got me. I thought, well, okay, maybe the performance is going to be great. I know the story. Uh, or how uh, how allegedly it it goes, and um, the special effects are all computer CGI driven effects. They don't. It doesn't. I'm not even enamored. I mean, they look okay, but kind of like when they had to do it in camera. I mean, you know, and they had to do it practically. I was like, wow, how did they do that? But now it's like, well, they just do that in a computer. So the the mystique of the making of it doesn't doesn't grab me. So the only sure. thing I have left is. It's got to be incredibly well acted, or they got to have some kind of story thing going here that's going to make it. Or I don't get why anybody would care. I mean, does, that, does any of that make sense to you? I mean, yeah, I'm just well, like, yeah. There's a few, few things in that. I, yeah, the, uh, the the great acting. Well, great actors do a good job, but uh, Christian Bale is certainly a, a terrific actor. Um, sure. I think it goes back to you know what what are they going to develop in the characterization that's going to be different from that the, the Heston version, which was uh, um, much more high theater and and and, and right, and, and I would guess there character. would be a lot. Right, I would yeah, guess I there would, would be so. a lot. I feel the you same know. way with the CGI stuff. I I appreciate it and appreciate that you can uh, envision larger, uh, larger scenes and 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 richer effect that's not just you know some space station blowing up or a, or a you know airplane turning into a robot. Um, and I appreciate that, although it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me because it's just you know I, I, you can just tell it's the animation. It's just like watching a computer game. But you know when it's yeah. it's used properly, I I, I get it. I, I don't know because I don't know the film, but I, I imagine it's his his performance. This is what I was going to say. His performance will come out of how the writer wrote the character and and right. the depth that the writer put into to writing that character of Moses to give us more insight into. Um, you know the the perhaps the quiet moments of of this of this personality and, and this thing. I mean, the Charles Heston is all major events. Every scene is a big scene and and uh, uh, large emotions. And, and perhaps it's it's going into the uh, you know maybe it'll work because it goes into some of the smaller emotions and 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 portrays him um, you know portrays his, his human side uh, you know portrays his humanity. More. I, I don't know. Yeah. Of course, I don't. I didn't read it. I don't know anything about it. Other than that, that would be my opinion. 
Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure that that uh, you know he'll do a fine job with it, but it just it just seemed. I mean, now they have Noah and they have Moses, and you know, I mean, kind of rebooting <laughs> more Bible movies. And nothing wrong with that. I well, you're, you're, anyway, well, you know, the, the the Bible movies make money, and that's movies are decided upon now solely by marketing and 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 uh, right. You know, the projection of what kind of the money they're going to make, and and you know, certainly. Mark Burnett's The Bible series has shown everyone that you can make some money out of this. So get you know, so they're gonna they're gonna be looking more deeply at these. I didn't yeah. see Noah either. I know I know that uh, you know it had been a pet project of the directors for years, and it probably um, you know had some you know some real emotion and feeling in it because he believed in it that much. Um, the sure. Moses one seems like a programmer a little bit. That you know, okay, you know they're doing these. These make money. There's a faith based audience. Um, let's let's what what story can we pull, Moses? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. Um, so I um, we've got about twenty minutes left, and I and I and I'm I'm enjoying this because I want to get back into the how do you write characters? A lot of people will say, well, you got to write good characters. You got to write characters that have depth. You you got to flesh out your characters, but they don't really give away their process or how you get into developing these characters. Um, or the questions that that you might ask yourself that lead you to character development or or whatever. And it, it, are there some of those things that you could share with uh, what you do that you could share with us? Because um, some people say, "Well, just go out and watch people." And that, while that's good advice, I, you know, I don't know that people off, they can watch people, but they may not know how to translate that to sitting in front of a computer and then typing the thing. It's like, sure, like I, writing yeah, Everyone watches you know, people their whole life. They've already done that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you know, they're, 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 writing, they're, they're not writing about Starbucks. Going out and sitting at Starbucks and watching people is not going to give them their character. Um, right. So it, it is, you know, it, it's what you want to do is have a character whose personal makeup runs a little bit against the grain of the plot. Um, so that he can complicate the plot rather than the plot just complicating itself. Um, and so, again, that's why I'll, I'll, I'll rig up a, a, a plot and, and say, okay, these are the events I want to have happen, and it's this kind of story. And we talked about theme before I had my theme set out. Um, we did a whole session on, on theme. Then I have the character. Right. I know what he is. I know where he's got to go. Then I go back and I, I create that past for him, and I create that whole story when I'm writing that, I try not to write it having anything to do with the plot he's getting into. I, I don't let any of that, uh, I don't put any of that into uh, my creation of the character. Um, that, for me, hasn't happened yet, and I want to explore that. I don't want to program it. So once I know that, then I'll start writing. It's what I was saying about secondary characters, but the same thing, I suppose, goes uh, goes with your main character, is I let myself write him just you know just just how do i now put him in these scenes i kind of know who who he is and how he'll react and how do i get him through the plot and typically i'll I'll reach a point where because i know the character i've developed him somewhere i wanted the plot to go won't naturally work with the character that i've i've created and there's an impulse i think in writers to get their script done that says okay well let's just make that work I allow myself, and it takes a little more time and a little more concentration, to allow it to not work. And be, be, be uh, secure that I can derail my plot for a little bit and see how I can spin it 
towards, uh, you know, perhaps a different ending or how, how the ending is going to mesh now with this character that's kind of screwed up my, my you know, well-built machine of a plot. Um, it's in those moments where a character comes through and we, we learn something about the character rather than about the story. Um, and so it comes to that. Then what I'll do is if that exercise works, you know, because it may not, you know, I may I may write, you know, an entire new sequence and thread it through the rest of the plot and say, okay, now it, it just, everything that's going to happen now rests on that this guy did this and that's going to change the specifics of events. Um, what I'll then go back and do is I'll go back to the beginning and rewrite the character to um, bolster that, you know, that epiphany I had halfway through that the character can't do that, that I wanted him to do. That can't happen. So then I have to, to go back into the script and go back into the story and, and that character and write it to that strength. The character twist that comes up in the, in the middle that seems to wreck my plot, I like to, t- to consider as a strength that then I go back and I write, I start writing the movie towards that strength rather than having him, as you know, as I typically do in a first draft, having him moving through the plot and just seeing where it's going to take us. Because it'll always take you if you have an original character um, and you're open to it, um, your character will butt up against what you wanted it to do. And my, my advice is to go with that, um, be be secure that you can kind of screw up your plot a little bit, go back to the beginning, and then write, start writing that movie. And um, that's when the movie starts to become more of a character movie than a plot movie because I, I start becoming less concerned with the plot I thought I wanted to have and these events have to happen, have to happen as opposed to this guy in these events make the story uh, go in a different way. And how do I make that strong drama? And how do I make those... Uh, you know, how do I make these plot twists that, that are twisting away from the story I wanted um, still create create a good story that will drive to it as dramatic an ending or even the same ending I ultimately wanted. Um, and that's kind of how I do it. Uh, once I do that, and once I get to that point, typically by that time of what's happened is I've found the character's voice. I know they, they speak in a certain way. They They their dialogue has its own uniqueness and it's not about snappy lines. And we've had that conversation before as well, but it's a unique speech pattern. And uh, the way they answer questions or choose not to, or, or lie, like we talked about again, I, it's always going back. I go back and then I start rewriting those scenes that the character is in using that knowledge that I've, I've, I've created for myself that I've, I've built up over, over the course of writing. This usually happens about halfway through the script where I'm going to then go back and put that character that I've, got in his best scene in the middle of the screen and put that version of the character back in the beginning. And uh, and that's where, you know, the, the diligence um, uh, towards rewriting and, and the willingness to rewrite yourself and, and, and get rid of what you thought was a good scene. The scene might be good, but if your character, that living, breathing character you hit on, you know, page 60 you got to go back and put that character in and maybe lose some of the scene to let that character move the story. Because the story is always about, for me, and, and what I believe makes, makes good film, is about the character and, and following the character through events. But events don't dictate, dictate them. It's, events don't, we don't allow events to dictate our lives. We still live our lives and we deal with events. And, and I think, you know, the more the film can be that, 
you know, these are obviously the events and films are, are, are much larger than life than our own lives. But as, as, as much as we can remember as a writer that the, that they're, that what's interesting and what brings it to life is how they're dealing with these events, not that how the, the events are making them move. You know, it's, it's, you know, and that gets, gets, gets into an active character as opposed to a reactive character. And that's, that's something I, I go back and look and make sure, okay, I had him reacting because I had my plot, you know, where I wanted it to go and I kind of know who my character is. So I am reacting to it. That guy, I hit a bump, a, a bump in the road where his, now I know him. He's not going to do what I want him to do. I'll go back and, and put that character in the beginning. And that, that, uh, you know, that I, I believe creates strong first acts is, is once you go back and, and do that. That's very interesting. I, I, that's really cool. I really appreciate that. Now, in terms of <clears throat> um, some of these situations uh, and, and strong writing, uh, you, I guess you would probably say don't talk about it but, you know, show, not tell kind of thing. So you create situations where the character's personality or flaws or uh, strengths come through as opposed to having them discuss these situations. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's uh, um, yeah, because people don't really do that. That 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 just rings false most of the time. Um, the uh, Another one I was thinking of, uh, from years ago, uh, a movie I, I'm particularly fond of was Paul Newman and the Verdict, where he's the alcoholic and he's the attorney. Um, uh-huh. We say never explain why he's an alcoholic, that I can remember. We just know that he's say an alcoholic, again? and we, we oh, right, they don't. Right. I don't believe that they explain the the why he became an alcoholic. Right. The, right. You know, and, so, and no. a tendency, a tendency of screenwriters that aren't writing character, you know, try to do that explanation scene and make that the, the pivot. And the pivot isn't really that. I think we all understand that people can become alcoholics for a variety of reasons. Um, the movie lives in the present and just deals with that. Um, and that, that again goes to our, our guy that was, uh, you know, your character, the claustrophobic and, and was in the trapped in the burning right. world. It, it, uh, you know, and that's what I, that's what I, I think is, is important with character. It's don't be afraid the backstory um audiences is, audiences understand people and they understand they project themselves in their own own situations into it and and you know it's the there but for the grace of god go i kind of thing we, we bring to movies um and, well you know it's an interesting thing i read an article the other day it was you know one of these things on the internet like you know 15 things bartenders hate you know, and one of them is you know that you tell you tell them your story. They don't care. You know, they're there to serve you drinks. So they're not your psychiatrist. They're not your therapist. They know that's how they're always portrayed, but but that's mm-hmm. not why they're there. So keep your mouth shut. Don't tell me your story, which is probably a, a very apt rule for screenwriters. Um, in that, you know, what you when you mention the alcoholic thing, I, I I always see these scenes where somebody's you know in the bar, they're drinking, they say you shouldn't do that, and they go, well, you don't understand, you know, I lost my wife or my family or my child or whatever. 15 years ago, and I've been drinking ever since, essentially. And then, and suddenly, they've they've now given you their their backstory and exposition. And, yeah. And while that may the, work in in an in instance, it just seems to be that that is the weaker version of what could be done. If you never knew that that's what drove them to drink, but you could understand that they may be fighting it or they may be accepting it or that there's something in their history. I mean. You know, and and I have to think about the person and why they may be this way, 
or I just have to accept them the way they are and, 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 and with the choices that they make as the character in the present. I think that's much stronger than, than me I, knowing that some tragedy I, happened. I think it is. I think it is. And I think what, maybe what, what it is, is, is it's not making the film about that event in the past. You know, it's, it's right. You know, it's, it's the, the guy's the alcoholic. He lost his family or whatever it is. You know, the story we just had him tell the bartender, um, you put him in a situation that has nothing to do with that. It's just that is who he is, and that's how he deals with things or doesn't. And, and um, uh, that's much better than it being about the revelation of, and this is why, and then you deal with that, the, those events specifically. Um, then it's a one-dimensional uh, film in that it, the, the character and the story are the same, the same thing. The character and the plot are but the if same you, thing. And if you wanted to, well, well, plus if you wanted to convey that that's why he became an alcoholic, certainly you could have some situation where you, you know, you cut to a photo of a newspaper headline or something. I mean, you know what I mean? There, there, there'd be another way to pass that information along. All you do is you, you have, you know, he has in his wallet the picture of his wife and kids. He has in his house yep. the picture of his wife and kids in his car, and we never see the wife and, and kids. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and that, and that to me seems much, much stronger and much much uh, much more potent than him than going through his tearful story about how he lost his family because it's been done. Because you know those don't ever you know that's that's really hard to land that story and then you get there and then the plot was also about the wife and kids and he I uh, has some sort of resolution with them at the end and you go oh that was what all this was about you know we heard the story in the first scene. Um, so it was kind of what I was just getting to. It's uh, you can allow your character to have these things. That that makes for richer characters, and it makes for more complicated characters or complex characters. Um, have the plot be about something entirely different. Have the character have something in his life, and and that is how he. That's the lens he views things through. And and you keep developing that part of that character, how they're moving forward with whatever, you know, with alcoholism, with with their alcoholism. Um, um, while they're dealing with the story at hand, and rather than make the story about that. Now, I, I picked up, I watched this uh, Three Days to Kill or something like that, uh, Kevin Costner spy thing the other day on, uh -huh. on Netflix. And uh, it turns out he has an affliction that's going to kill him in a few days, and so he's trying to make up uh, with his family that he's, he's neglected his, his entire career as a hitman or whatever he is. Um and then he has to, to do this mission. And the whole thing is, well, the, the mission, they have a special drug that will cure him, uh, which they will administer to him if he does this mission. But he's come back to his family, and they don't want him to do another mission. And you don't need that drug. <laughs> you don't need him to have that drug and get that cure. It's a, it's much more satisfying or interesting. You have to write write something satisfying at the end. If there wasn't that, that magic wand, that if the two stories weren't about the same thing. You know, and, and yeah, he has a brain, yeah. he has a brain tumor or whatever it is. He's trying to get back with his family. He only has three days, um, and he gets pulled into another another mission. You don't need them to have. Uh, uh, and if you do it, you get this injection every you know six scenes. It's stupid. Um, audiences don't need the, the they, they. I think it's much more interesting when your character story is a different story than the plot of the film, and it's where these two these two storylines. Um, meet and how they meet that makes uh, for uh, uh, gives depth to drama.
Um, that's really cool. I, I appreciate that. Now, we have literally uh, oh, five or six minutes left, and um, one of the things that I, that I know you've talked about, you know, is, is like the opening and the ending of the movie, and um, there's some, and I don't know if it was Michael Caine or somebody, but but I think that in terms of acting advice, they've always kind of said, well, you need to know your opening scene, and you need to do whatever it is in the opening scene as an actor really well, because that's the first time your audience sees you. So if you want them to like you and continue to watch the movie, this is where, you know, you should really focus on, you know, your acting chops. And, and then, of course, the close of the movie so that they talk about it afterwards. So, you know, and then in between, you, 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 you continue to develop it. But, but wherever, whatever day you shoot your opening scene, you should pay attention to it, that it's the opening of the movie. And in writing, I mean, you kind of have said very similar things. You know, the opening is going to grab them and, and the ending and, and, you know, and it takes them to the ending. So... Um, well, yeah, I, 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 we've talked about this before, but my my philosophy is is the is a feature film is the end of a story. Um, yeah. it, it, it when that movie, unless you're doing a franchise, but in a drama, in a, in a close-ended drama, the where your character is at the end, he's already gonna be, he's already pretty much there in the beginning, and it's just how does he play out this ending of his story, what's the most interesting moment of his life that we're getting, whether he goes on and runs off and gets married or whatever, the most interesting, we're watching the most interesting, uh, you know, two hours, uh, be it a year, be it whatever the time frame of the movie is, a month, a week, a day, um, of that person's life. And the life goes on, or it, or it ends if they, they, they perish. Um, that first scene is the beginning of that end of a story. So my, I'm always I'm already writing the ending when I'm writing the first scene, and knowing how I want that character in, to end is informed by everything in the very first scene, um, and and uh, and that's why I, I'm I'm one of those ones. You know, with a drama, that it's, uh, it's not starting off with just in the action and we got to catch up and be breathless, but because uh, uh, that's the genre I think, um, but but really being with that person and, and with what they're dealing with before this incredible series of events happens to them um, that will, will define or, or explain, the, in a sense, the definition we, we already put out in the first scene. Um, so it's, 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 it's key, and, and I spent a lot of time on, on the opening uh, of, of a film. Well, that's very, very cool. I want to leave you the, the very last few minutes here to uh, share whatever thoughts you want to leave us with this time. Mm -hmm. Well, talking about character, writing character, uh, one thing I uh, don't do, and I've had experience having done it and, and finding that it doesn't work, it's not beneficial, is writing with an actor in mind rather than writing with a character in mind. Um, and, uh, you know, we look at movie stars and, and one that, always pops out as a good example of this is Cary Grant. We always say, well, God, he was the same thing in every movie. But if you read the script for say, bringing up baby, you know, screwball comedy and for North by Northwest, those two characters are entirely different. Movie stars are able to take a good character, play that character and then put their stamp of what makes them a star rather than a character actor on that. So writing for a movie star, you're not going to capture that because that's what they do. Um, I've had to write um, and was, privileged and honored. I, I wrote for Eddie Murphy, um, and I've written for Harrison Ford, and in both those cases, um, 
certain circumstances ended up that they couldn't make the film, and then those films were unmakeable by anyone else because they were written specifically for an actor. Now, I was getting paid for it, but if I was writing a spec script specifically for one of them and, and they passed on it, then, you're, then, you're, <laughs> then you wasted a lot of time. So I try to write, I write straight for the character and know that a movie star will put that persona on whatever character you write if they're inclined to that to that film and and uh, uh that's just the difference between movie stars and character actors and and uh but trying to write what makes a star a star and why they always seem to be to bring that same thing that we love about them to every role is what they do it's not what the writer does the writer has written a strong character and the, them as a, they as an actor are able to put their imprint on it so i, I my life my, my last thing is is, is don't be tricked into thinking you can write the, the, the movie star into your movie because he has to bring the, the stardom to it. Well, that's very cool, and that is that is absolutely uh, fair enough and a good way to uh, end this episode, and I really do appreciate it. And uh, as always, you've been stellar, and we'll come back and we'll do more. But I, I want to thank you, Michael, for all of your participation in these uh, episodes that we've done to date and and I look forward to doing more with you and I wish you the the very best with all of the upcoming projects and, and the way they're going I'll call you in a few minutes but I, I just wanted to say thanks so much, that's really cool Super Rex, thanks thank you for having me and thank everyone for listening we'll, we'll talk again soon, bye Alright man, have a great day, thanks that's Michael Frost Beckner. Again, the uh, website that you want to go and check out is 2Appomattox, that's T-O-A-P-P-O-M-A-T-T-O-X.com. He can be found as Michael Frost, M.F. Beckner on Twitter, M.F. Beckner on Twitter. There's also the 2Appomattox Friends or Fan Page on Facebook, and Michael Beckner is on Facebook as well. And so I thank him and I thank you, the readers, the listeners of Movie Beat. Many more exciting guests coming up in the near future, so please stay tuned to keep sharing this website and these interviews with your friends and contacts. The official URL is rexsikes.com. My name, rexsikes.com. All of these interviews are available as archived shows. Once they record, the moment they start recording, you can listen to them as archives. So you can use the very same link that you use to listen to them live, you can use to listen to them as a recorded show. They're available at RexSykes.com in the interviews blog. They're available as podcasts at iTunes. They're available from Blog Talk Radio at the Rex Sykes Movie Beat uh, show there. So when you listen, please do leave comments uh, live or archived at the Blog Talk Radio player. Please do rate and review the podcasts at iTunes. And please do share these with your friends and the colleagues using Twitter, social media, I, you know, Google+, Facebook, whatever it is. Because when you leave comments and when you share, when you help us spread the word, it increases our visibility in the search engine. So, you know, when you tweet when we're live and you say, hey, I'm listening to XX Movie Beat, or, wow, I just heard a really, <coughs> excuse me, a really great point made by this particular guest, um, that helps people uh, find out about the show if they don't already know, or if they do know about the show and they forgot to listen in, it reminds them. So please do make those comments. You can become a friend of Rex Sykes Movie Beat at Facebook by going to Rex Sykes Movie Beat Friends and hitting the like button there. And you can follow me on Twitter at Rex Sykes Movie BT. That's Rex Sykes Movie BT. One other thing that you can do is you can read the new blog. It's Rex Sykes Movie Beat dot M E. Rex Sykes Movie Beat dot M E. Rex Sykes Movie Beat dot me all right if you need a, a memory peg uh again 
Thursday, October 9th, that's tomorrow, the surface premieres in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, starring uh, Sean Astin, Chris Mulkey, uh, directed by Gil Cates, uh, who those three will be in attendance at the premiere tomorrow at the Oriental Theater in Milwaukee. Uh, the movie opens on the 24th of uh, October at uh, Marcus Cinemas, and it's uh, produced by Jeff Gendelman and uh, directed by Gil Cates, Jr., so uh, come on out and see the movie shot entirely in Milwaukee, a recent uh, uh, locally made film. The uh, upcoming Flyway Film Festival is the 23rd through the 26th in Pepin, Wisconsin, a charming film festival you're going to want to attend. And another charming film festival that you'll want to attend is the Wyoiga International Film Festival in Wyoiga, Wisconsin. That's in November, I believe, the 14th through the 16th. So check those out online. And everybody have a fabulous day. Make your movies, complete your projects. And until we meet the next time, that is a wrap.